coming to you from hazy California. This is a Sea Change Podcast, and I am your host, Ellen Mahoney. This episode today is going to be a little different. We are speaking with my work partner, Kristen Daniel, about the importance of resilience and how we have been working with educators and school leaders around the world in helping them develop this resilience for what continues to be a very challenging time in education. We'll tell you a little bit about our background, a little bit about our story. It's a conversation between two people that are very passionate about this subject matter. And we wanna tell you some of the stories of the educators that we've been working with from around the world. After we talk about our resilience work, we are going to hear from some of our participants from our summer course on resilience. And we'll hear about how they are sustaining their resilience and bringing resilience planning into their schools around the world. So we're excited to have you join us. If you are interested in this resilience work, we have a couple of courses coming up in October and November and you can go to our website at circulusinstitute.org, or you can look at our episode notes for more information. Okay, thanks, and let's get started. Kristen, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. How's it going? It's going really good. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited. This is a little bit different um, for the podcast. This is the way that we're approaching this, but I'm psyched to have you on because we have really great things to talk about. Yes, we do. And that, when we're very excited. Yes, <laughs> we are. We are. Let's just start. I think it's funny, actually. I, um, I have gotten feedback from people who've listened to the podcast. They've asked me to do an episode where I talk about my background a little bit more and about like the work I've done and the story that got me here. Mm-hmm. And I'm not doing that for this one, but we are in a little bit because I, I want to kind of hear about your background. Uh, we can talk about my background a little bit, and then we can talk about why we're so excited, which is this really great teacher resilience work that we're, we're working on. So, um, but I think the best thing about our sort of personal story is mm-hmm. how we know each other. Um, but to give, just to kind of get, catch people up. So you are in uh, Washington state. Mm-hmm. I'm in right? Seattle. Yeah. You're in Seattle. And I'm in San Francisco, and we both work in education. We're both consultants, among other things. But should we start with how we first met? Yeah, let's, yeah. Yeah, okay, sure. you tell a story. <laughs> um, okay, I met Ellen when she was 13. Were you 13 years old? I think so, yeah. And I was like 18. I was at Syracuse University with um, Ellen's older sister, and who became like an instant best friend of mine in college. And Ellen came to visit her one like weekend or something. And all I remember <laughs> this, this like girl who was like, did not want to be there, had been dragged <laughs> by her parents to go see her sister and was just kind of too cool for everything. <laughs> and, and I remember thinking I was, too, I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, she's so young and I'm so mature. <laughs> <laughs> all of which, yeah, was not true at all. But um, so I've known Ellen, I don't know, we've known each other for a really long time. Yeah, a long time. The cool thing I think is that 
throughout our like friendship and knowing each other, we've had these weird crossovers that kept yeah. happening throughout our life. Like we both knew similar people. Yeah. Um, we were, we both kind of went through education in different ways, but ended up in similar places, um, kind of by trial and error. And it was just interesting that over the years we, um, we intersected in, at George Washington university. We were both there for yeah. a time. Um, and then Washington DC, we knew some of the same people. And then years later, I was working for Global Online Academy and I was talking to Jeanette and we hadn't talked in a long time. Mm -hmm. And Jeanette was like, you know, you really should talk to Ellen. Ellen's doing a lot of work with international schools right now. And I'd been following Ellen's work kind of on social media, but hadn't caught up with her. And we just started chatting. And I, I don't know what, like yeah. you, you came and spoke, I think at a staff meeting. At Global Online, yeah. Global mm -hmm. Online Academy when I was still there and you were doing more of just your mentoring work. Mm -hmm. um, and GOA at that point was really expanding more into the international school world. And we just sort of stayed in touch, I guess. That's so funny. You're, you're, it's so funny to think about <laughs> how we each perceive the reality. You know what I mean? Because right, right. when I, when I was 13 and I came up to Syracuse university, I mean, cool would not be the word I'd use to, just use to <laughs> describe myself. Um, or I don't, I don't even think I thought of myself that way. It's just so funny because, um, I was, I had just left Japan and I left an international school there and I uh, repatriated for the first of, of two times mm -hmm. back to the U.S. And I was just so confused by Americans. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> and then going to like, being in a university like Syracuse, which would have been in like the mid nineties or so. Yeah. You know? And I thought you guys were so cool, but, <laughs> but it is true that our, our careers and our, and our personal lives have intersected. And I would say the other thing is I, I've, I've alluded to this in, in the podcast. And if people have worked with me, they, they'll know that I allude to this too, but in my transition back to the U S both times, I just really, really struggled as you know, um, and had some mental health challenges uh, around adjusting and you know, making friendships and, and that kind of thing. And you indirectly really helped because my sister, um, mm -hmm. I know, came to you for advice and you gave her really good advice. So even when you weren't right there in front of my face, you've, you've been a helpful human being in my life. So it's so nice how it all works out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So now we are we are working on this resilience project together, and I was actually trying to remember how did we start the resilience class. I, can't I think remember. we were because we were we were talking about social emotional learning for yeah. about a part of like a year, yeah. and then well, COVID hit, and yeah. everything we had we had st started talking about building out a curriculum for teachers, yeah. and it just wasn't going to happen in last spring. That's right. And I guess I don't remember, but you and I were on the phone and we were just having this conversation and we were like, God, the world is such a mess right now. Yeah. What we, and just from talking to colleagues and friends in the education world, yeah, everyone was struggling. And we both, I think, felt like, well, there's got to be something we can do to help now. Um, yeah. And we both came to resilience, I think. At the same point, I mean, you, we and we had. I have some history with it, and you've had a lot of history with it. Yeah. And so it was a nice fit to kind of say, okay, from what we hear, what we are seeing, um, there is a real need for folks to understand what's happened to them, to make sense of it, and to build a strength-based kind of approach at how 
they look, were looking at their well-being. And it was, you know, we were right, it was right before summer was about to start. And we thought, well, look, let's do this. Let's try, yeah. let's pilot something together where yeah. we can help help teachers and school leaders really kind of look within at what had happened and, mm-hmm. and also at the same time build some some skill sets around how to to continue this work because as we all know it's the chaos of this year's ongoing so yeah as you're saying i mean we were talking about social emotional learning for a while and we were working on this uh program that we were building with a few other smart educators Mm -hmm. um on developing the adult social emotional competencies that is required for effective sel implementation and then, and then COVID hit, and yeah, we we pivoted quickly because we realized there was a um, a more urgent need, and we had to be really practical in order to support our our teacher friends. And I also was really influenced by Dr. Suzanne Anderson's work, who I um, interviewed for in the first episode of this podcast. But she taught me a lot between her and um, Dr. Doug Walker, who who works. Um, does a lot of work with the Council of International Schools, but both of those people do a lot of work with school communities after trauma or during prolonged stressful periods. Mm-hmm. And I learned so much from both of them about how important it is to take stock of what just happened and, and make meaning of it and find mm-hmm. very practical ways to sustain our work. But you have this background in resilience and um, educator resilience, right? Tell, tell us. Yeah. More. So I was, um, I worked on my doctorate at George Washington University um, around um, issues of special education and, and inner city urban school settings where there was a large like percentage of students that were low income. And I did my um, dissertation research around teacher preparation programs, like how they were preparing teachers to be in these high need schools. And one of the findings from my research um, was that was that teachers that had a sense of resilience had stronger like rates of success in retention, going back into the classroom, you know, amidst chaos and a lot of trauma and just in the sense of like being in such high need schools and their ability to kind of want to teach the desire, but also their ability to be successful as a teacher and teach and improve students learning. Um, And so I did, that got me into resilience research back in like the mid to late, I don't know, like 10 years ago. And what I found out was super interesting was that it wasn't a, it wasn't like you either have resilience or you don't have resilience, which I think going in, I sort of felt that way, that that was how you were just born with like being a really super strong yes. tough person who could handle, you know, you had this thick shell. Right. Um, and what, what it really was more about was that it's a set of skills that you can learn and and seeing that in my my teacher interns at the time when I was doing my research was really amazing to see like, oh, they didn't necessarily have that to begin with, but through things like finding a sense of a community, finding others that they could relate to, telling their story, yeah. which is so powerful, and then reflecting on their own growth um, so that they could then see um, what their strengths were made them feel more resilient and made them feel as if they could 
get up and go back the next day. Yes. And so resilience was always this piece in my learn, like my kind of growth as an educator of like, gosh, if you don't, if you don't learn how to do that, how do you survive in education? Right. And it's especially, you know, for anybody. And then it's so powerful. I think right now, given what, what we're all going through the, that sense of like collective grief and trauma that everyone's experiencing. So it's been nice for me also to dive back into that research world and think about it some more and how it applies to to teachers now. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I I love the thought that resilience is something that we can all learn is of course, it's just so empowering. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the thing that has been so exciting to me since since I was at GW, I mean, since, so, which has been, it's been a long time, I guess maybe 20 years now or something, 15 mm-hmm. years, but the, the idea of how malleable our brains are, and we know that young people can learn these skills, even if they've had trauma um, or a lot of prolonged trauma, that at any developmental stage, it's harder, but it is absolutely something that we can teach. And that's such a empowering message for people. And then certainly even as adults, I mean, it's just so mm-hmm. cool in the last 15 years to, to understand the way the brain works better and, and to understand that our brains continue to develop. I mean, it's so empowering to me. It's just like a really interesting time to be in education. I think for me, well, I didn't study resilience, but it's certainly come up a lot. And I've always been interested in the adult experience of education and youth development you know i when i worked at iMentor and i was just getting started in the in the youth mentoring field it, it's very hard to to get people to volunteer to mentor people it's very difficult it's even more difficult to get them to sustain that work um mm-hmm. to stick with someone for over a year sometimes two three four five years so i was really curious about how can we help retain these mentors because for our young people especially for the, you know, I work in a similar population where a lot of young people living in poverty, a lot of disruption and chaos in their lives. And uh, it was critical that they had a, a prolonged relationship with, with a caring adult um, that's critical for their development, critical for their learning. Mm-hmm. And so how do you do that? And the mentoring research talked about how important it was for mentors to feel efficacious, mm-hmm. which is what we're talking about and to feel supported. You know, they had to feel supported by the program that was sponsoring the mentoring. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was really fascinating to me and to be able to, you know, design new elements of our programming at iMentor and then to see the retention rates go up and the quality of the relationships increase was so valuable and so inspiring and, and moving. For me, working with international schools via Sea change mentoring, I, I kept coming into schools after being asked to help improve the culture of the school, improve their student-teacher relationships, relationships being two-way streets. You know, you you have to be thoughtful and aware of what you are bringing into that relationship as an adult, what your baggage is, what your story is, what your triggers are, what your knee-jerk reactions are, what works for you, et cetera. And so that was interesting, but I felt like I needed a lot more time with the adults to do that self-awareness work. You know what I mean? So I was coming in to design these programs or to help schools design their own programs, but we could design a beautiful program, but if the teachers didn't feel supported and didn't have that kind of time to do that reflection work that you're talking about, then 
we could only be so successful and and ultimately that we won't have that kind of impact on on young people that we're looking to yeah i think that's my relationship to it is similar in the sense that my teaching career, which started in special education, my whole reason for wanting to be an, an educator and to work with that population was that I felt that I understood their experience and felt like this is a group of students that really needs support in ways that at the time I thought was just like there, that there wasn't enough, there weren't enough supports to support that group of kids. Yeah. And over time, what I realized was the kind of learning and the kind of teaching that makes a good learning specialist or someone that works in that world is looking at um, a child as the whole child, you know, and being yeah. able to understand the connections between home and school and the connections between different kinds of learning and how school is really this traditionally how school is conducted doesn't meet the needs of diverse kids. And so right. my relationship to a lot of this work was this, like starting from the kid and the student, especially like a special ed kid, I was like, well, all of that needs to, every kid needs to be taught that way. Every kid yeah. needs to have teachers and schools that understand the whole person and the whole life that's happened going on. Mm -hmm. And when I was working in schools, what struck me is that, well, I can't, I can't do this on my own, right? Like I can't be, yeah. I can work with my classroom and help my students and those families, but I can't do it all by myself. I need a community. And so I would form these communities around me of other educators and we feel the same way. And then we were stumped by, well, the system isn't yes. <laughs> looking at this. You know, so you kept going up mm -hmm. these years. And what got me into professional development was the sense of like, okay, we can rethink how we design education so that when you're, you're always thinking that kid that, that we are teaching, that's why we do this work. We can design systems that give teachers and leaders the space to be reflective, the space to be, to dive deep into what is meaningful to them, what's difficult, what makes them vulnerable, what is fearful like i think if we create the yeah. space to do because teaching and education is in my opinion <laughs> maybe a little biased the hardest profession there is it is so, so, hard. so hard so hard and there's just and you're constantly battling like crazy schedules and all the things you have to do yeah. um, outside of just being in your classroom i mean i think that it's so important to look at um educator well-being as this way of of really like creating space for for teachers to be to look for teachers to feel that they have the emotional kind of strength to be better educators like they if, yeah. if you create the space in schools to do this hard work mm -hmm. it really does trickle down to the students and the mm -hmm. families and and that's why we do this to begin with so i think mm -hmm. like my passion for this work comes from that belief of like when i when i've seen this work done well it's amazing because you do see it come down. You see these kids start to feel connected to their teachers in ways that they may not have before. And you start to see real like meaningful change happen yeah. and kids be able to be like feel understood. And when they feel understood, they're able 
to be able, they can learn more, you know, like. Absolutely. And it's, it's what the search Institute's been saying for a long time about how you have to create that space within the system. Mm -hmm. And the, the collaborative for academic social emotional learning has been saying that for a while. It's so important. So we, so we got together, we created this course and it's, it's one step, it's one of the many steps that we are and will be taking together in order to support this, this experience for educators and ultimately for the, the learning and well-being experience of students. So when we put this course together, when, when we were first kind of talking about it, um, what, were, what were some of your you know, concerns or priorities when we were, we were talking about this? I think the big one, the first one, which I don't know, I wouldn't be surprised if you agree, actually, if you felt this way, <laughs> but um, was I wanted it to really be, I didn't want it to feel like a course. Like I wanted it yeah. to feel like we were actually giving um, the participants the space to do the hard work and that they didn't feel alone in that process. Yeah. Um, especially at the beginning of the summer, they had, everyone has was just raw, like coming yeah. off the most insane spring of any school year and then in the international school community we had teachers that I mean, we had educators that hadn't seen their kids in four yeah. months we had educators that couldn't get out of their country and go see their family you know in the u.s we were looking at all these unknowns like where am I going to be what am, am I going to be at home at school like and never having taught a class online in yes. their life. And there was so much fear around all that, that the, the main priority for me was let's create a course that allows for all those different experiences and it's okay. And people feel safe, yeah. feel supported and yay. Wouldn't it be great if they took a little something home with them and felt better? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For me too. I, and, and on top of all of that, I, I also just very simply, you know, I've taken some great online classes. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you, you used to work at global online Academy. I, Think they do some great work for sure then that would probably be the exception to my experience though you know like the other online classes i've taken through major universities and through like you know organizations that we wow. celebrate i have just found it to be so stale and passive and really frustrating even ones that have built in experiences for us to connect with other participants and so for me i just i didn't want it to be like that i wanted it to be interactive and yeah as you said not not like a course but like an experience and and i just was really hoping that people would feel connected to each other because that was and remains such an important priority when we are so stressed out that you know in order for us to manage our stress we we really need to be um, in connection with each other so that was another big big one for me yeah, and then we were so pleasantly surprised how well it resonated with folks, and yeah. and that was really um, just to hear from participants who were saying like, I needed this, you know, yeah. of all the things I've done this summer, this was the plate, this was what I needed the most. And I didn't even know I needed it. Yeah, um, I think I felt that way too. I think I felt like I didn't expect to learn as much as I did from the participants, yeah. and it that changed me the most um, of any of the, of it, even designing it and putting it all together. It was like, oh, well, once you put people in it, like having these relationships with everyone that was in the court, that were in the course and then, and then helping and support, like creating this sense of community was super, super powerful. A lot of this experience through the, through COVID has been, we've all had like blinders on because our yeah. own experiences are, are traumatic enough. So much, yeah. So much to do and yeah. deal with. And it was, it was almost like a weight had been lifted 
when you hear other stories, you share your own and hear other stories, you're like, okay, I'm not alone. Yeah. Um, And that's super powerful. Yeah. I agree. I I was so inspired by the strength, the resilience, you know, but the the strength and attitude that the teachers in our program demonstrated. And they, you know, when they were telling their stories and some of the stories were just so heartbreaking um, and just so difficult. Yeah. And yet here they were showing up, you know, sometimes our our participants were showing up at like five in the morning (laughs) to their, you know, their um, online community calls. Um, And they, and when they first started telling their stories, it, it, it was clear that they didn't even realize what they already had within them that was helping them to be strong through these moments. And then I, I found it just so rewarding to be able to mirror that back to them and say, you are strong and in mm-hmm. either the actions that have made you strong and then and then to see how those stories inspired the rest of us you know to to maintain and sustain all, all of this yeah all this work as the course went on was there anything that surprised you or did, was there anything that was unexpected i think the unexpected piece for me was just um the intimacy of the connections that we were making i yeah. was with other colleagues in the course. I think, don't think people realize like, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm just, maybe everyone does now that we're all living in a world of Zoom. But, yeah. you know, I think like the level of intimacy that you can experience and yeah. of course that's all online, if, it, if it's done right, you know, like you really can get to know people pretty deeply and share meaningful, you know, experiences with one another, even yeah. though we're just on computers. Um, it's super powerful. The one thing is funny, like if we ever see everyone in person, we're going to be like, oh, you're so tall or, oh, you're so cute. (laughs) Nothing else matters. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Oh, you, you, you actually don't wear, you you know, we all see each other in this little square box. Yes. Other than that, um, you can have pretty intimate relationships. I think it's true. It's very true. And I would say the other thing that for me, it was for me. I think just like everyone else, it's been a difficult past six plus months, um, and this has been such a a relief, a, a gem through all of this. And I'm so grateful for it. And part of it is is what you said is is that intimacy that we were able to develop and and that connection, that meaningful connection, and, and an opportunity to reflect on the purpose of our work. But I would also say that. I, we've seen these teachers and school leaders go back into their school community and and implement their plans already. I mean, I just got off the call with someone mm-hmm. at, at Eunice Hanoi whose you know, her plan is in place. You know, we were just talking about it. And, you know, the week before we were talking with a school in Japan. So it's so cool that they put the work into creating these plans that we had them develop and, and to actually go forth and, and do it because they're now they're influencing their school community and the change there is pretty tangible and yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll continue to follow up with them and, and to um, hear how those projects are going and to support the, this movement really. Um, and that's, that's just really powerful to me. So. Yeah, there's yeah. a participant tweeting every day her daily gratitude. I love that. And, yeah, and that's, you know, something she started in the course and she's now doing that publicly and it's it's usually about something in her teaching day that yep. she's experienced and she's sharing that and it's beautiful and it's, you know, yeah. and when she does it I feel connected to her in this because I'm like, "Oh, that's, you know, it's happening." Yes. It's beautiful. 
Yeah. That is so cool. So what's next for us, Kristen? What are we, what are we up to? Well, we are about to fix teacher well-being for everybody, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if only it was that easy. Okay, maybe we should have that one up. Um, no, it's good. <laughs> we are we are going to continue to prioritize um, teacher well-being and, and these adult social emotional competencies that are required for this moment right now, but are required. Period. You know, I mean, I it's understandable, totally reasonable for most people working in education right now to be thinking short term. It's logical that they're in that place right now, that many of us are in that place right now. But we do have to think about what's the thread that's going to continue after, after COVID, after we all get better. And um, you know, what are we going to still hold on to and, and continue to prioritize um, that maybe COVID has really brought to light for us? And so I, I hear from folks all over the world about how they, of course, they always knew relationships were important, but now they realize just how important it is. And they always thought that, you know, well-being and stress management was an important part of a teacher experience. And and it's an important thing to talk about and work with, with our students as we've seen mental health issues rise around the world. But now this is, it's really important. Let's hold on to that even after we get a vaccine and we can go back to, to seeing each other in person all over the world. So, so we're going to continue to prioritize that and in the near future, we have the course, we'll offer it on a rolling basis um, at different times throughout the year. We also have two courses that are around building our resilience, sustaining our resilience and working collectively to feel efficacious um, so that we can support our students' learning and well-being. But those courses are focused uh, just for the counseling community. And then one is just focused for the leadership community because as you and I have talked about, and, and it's been echoed as we talk to other leaders around the world, is we're really concerned about who is caring for the carers. And we think that the school leadership group and the counseling group are going to need a lot of extra TLC. And, and that's, so that's coming up in October. And then we're also working with a bunch of schools uh, who um, wanted us to take this course and tailor it to their well-being goals and their particular cultural context. So we're doing that for them as well. And yeah, a bunch of other stuff coming down the pike. Yeah. We'll have big news in a, in a few weeks. And um, we hope to ha- offer some different, um, back to your point of like being, responding to the needs of what's going on right now in communities. Yeah. We hope to offer some themes throughout the fall into the early new year around um, around well-being in schools. Well, it has been such a joy uh, to work with you, truly, Kristen. It's it's hard to find a good work partner. And, um, you know, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's yeah. when you find someone where it just clicks so well and where each other's strengths really complement each other, it's such a gift. So I yeah, love working with you. It was all meant to be. <laughs> Who knew when I was just an awkward 13-year-old with a bad haircut? <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, thanks so much, Kristen, and take care of yourself. You too. Bye. Thank you for joining us in this conversation. We hope it left you inspired. You can go to our website at circulusinstitute.org to learn more about our future course offerings, which are starting again in October. Stay tuned for episode uh, 0.1, 0.2, 0.3, and 0.4, where we get to hear the more personal stories of educators coming from Taiwan and the United Arab Emirates 
and Japan and India as they talk about their resilience stories, what they took away from this course, and what it has actually looked like in practice when they've gone back to their communities. They're very inspiring stories to me, and I hope you'll join us. Take care, everybody.